Let me know you can see it. All right. <clears throat> there, there, there. That's the one thing it doesn't show who's entering the room. So if you see any any names, if you see Andre or Van in there, let me know. Although that's if they want to be on. I think we're going to do separate shows. Hey, everyone. Just getting set up. We're going to have Morris Hayes with us. Thank you guys for being here. A lot of you from the start. That's great. <clears throat> All right. That's good. Can you guys hear me? want to make sure of that. The exact same setup as last week, so you guys should be good with no air conditioner on this time. <clears throat> Germany in the house. Thank you guys for coming. I know it's in the middle of the night there. Really appreciate you guys. A lot of familiar faces, a lot of new faces. Love it. <clears throat> Great. We're going to bring in Morris. We're really just going to be focusing on what's going on right now. And I really feel that Morris's voice is very important um, and deserves to be heard. And I want to give him this platform. Neil will talk about that either in an after show or the next show that I'll do for you guys. Right now, I really just want to keep, um, keep it on what's going on in Minneapolis. Cool. Hope you guys understand that. And yes, please share. Thank you guys so much. Uh, we're going to start momentarily, probably in the next 30 to 40 seconds, going to do the introductions. And this is just for um, doing the live show to record it when we put it on iTunes. Okay. <clears throat> All right. We're going to get started here now, you guys. Thank you guys again so much for tuning in. And here we go. <clears throat> Hey everyone, thank you guys so much for joining in. Welcome to the Dr. Funk Live podcast. We're going to have Morris Hayes here with us as our special guest today with everything that is going on. I felt we needed him to have him on. Thank you guys so much for subscribing on iTunes and other places. Morris Hayes is one of the most longest tenured, if not the longest tenured person that's been with Prince and the MPG for a very long span. And with what's going on right now in Minneapolis, I felt that his voice needed to be heard and we needed to give him this platform to speak on. And I appreciate him being on. Everyone, please welcome back to the show, Mr. Morris Hayes. Hey, Morris. Hey, what's up? What's up, everybody? Okay. Hopefully you can see the comments and everything as well, Morris. Uh, let's see. I can, let's see, chat. Let me put the chat bubble up. Uh oh. Yeah. And then I will be bringing stuff up here that you'll see, you'll be able to see the questions. If people have questions or comments that they want for you, we'll try this one right now if you yeah. can see it. Okay, okay, now I can see with yours, yeah. but when I go to the chat screen, uh, okay. it, the video goes away, so I just stay on Okay, here. we're gonna do that. So, Morris, how have you been, man, in this heavy time? Well, man, you know, man, it's, 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 a, it's, bro, I, I feel like I'm inside of a movie, you know, with the COVID situation that's happening. And then uh, that, as though that wasn't bad enough, then we have this whole thing with this, 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 this killing and then this, this, this riots and then, not, well, not riots, but these protests and, and all of this. And I just think it's a very critical time that's what's happening in Minneapolis right now and what's happening right. around the world. And I think it's just something that we all should be aware of, like, what's going on, man. Right. Now, of course, there is this unfortunate division that's in the United States that maybe people from Germany and other people don't understand. I mean, I was a teenager when Rodney King happened. And, of course, my, my assumption, and it was a terrible assumption, that this was going to be a once-in-a-lifetime thing that I experienced. And you've probably had more experience than I've had in this and dealing with it. Like, what 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 was the earliest age that you started seeing stuff like this? I'm sorry for getting you know 
I want no, other no, people we, to we realize. To, we have to put this out here, man. We got to let people know what time it is in America and what's going on in America, bro. Yeah. This is real life. And let me tell you something, man. I'm, I, I freely you know, tell my age, brother, I'm, I'm, I'm closing in on 60, bro. And so I, I was around in the 60s when Dr. King was alive. I watched uh, my brother and my uncles come home one day wet. In the, you know, on a hot summer day, going like, what, what y'all doing wet, man? Like, what? Are you, why are you all wet? And they're like, oh man, we just got sprayed by the fire hydrants. Like the the the, 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 the firemen are spraying us. Like they're down protesting or whatever, and they got sprayed like with what with the fire hydrant with the fire hose. Right. And I'm like, what? You got sprayed? That was my brother and, and my uncles, you know. And so this is real, man. I mean, they were kids even, and and it's real. It's been going on since then. You know what's happening today? Is that you know racism has always been an underbubbling thing, man. It's never really left. It just kind of got on the, on the cool a little bit. And I think with with Donald Trump taking over, he took the scab off of it, man. He peeled that off of there and allowed people to be able to come out and really say what they feel and say what because it ain't like it left. It's just like it just got on the cool. And then right. he came and started telling people, "Oh, hey, do you be yourself?" <laughs> you know. And then people felt like they could just. Just say whatever, do whatever, and it was all good, man. That's just kind of what's been the case, you know? Right. It's just, to me, having to keep seeing it over and over, because my situation, just not to touch base too long, like, I grew up in foster homes. I grew up in group homes. It was mostly black people that raised me, you know, having the burnt bacon, having Gregory Abbott play and Luther Vandross. You know, it just, you have certain things, so it affects me more. However, we understand that, you know, it's certain people that are, are getting this over and over again, that are being targeted. And it's happening here in America just way too much. And a lot of, like, I see, like, this, a person up here was asking, like, what, what can we do? And this is just a thing, like, um, I'm trying to get to the comment. I'm sorry. Like some was what what we can do as white people to understand and to help with this situation. Well, we have to look at it just like what happened basically back in the '60s. I mean, you know, I I, I don't think I think with all that was happening, when white people started to take interest in what was happening and and actually take action in what was happening uh, with the civil rights movement back in the day. You know, that's when things really started to turn a corner because, you know, you're not only having black people involved, you got everybody involved. And when, again, like I said on some of my earlier talks, like, uh, you know, I was kind of pontificating about what's going on and just, you know, stating what's going on and just saying, like, you know, a lot of things happen when we all get together. You're much more of a force when you're all like this as opposed to spread out. And so I think um, as more people get involved, and realize that it takes all of us in terms of make a, a <clears throat> sea change like this. I mean, this, this, we're talking about years of, of programming and, and, and uh, instilled things that people are dealing with, with, with institutionalized, and it's been that way. And so in order to, to make a change, you have to first understand that there is a problem. You can't fix a problem if you don't realize either you have a problem, if you don't acknowledge you have a problem, then I don't know how you can fix a problem. And what most people don't seem to have right now is the understanding that there is a problem in America with regard to race. Bro, we are on the borders line of being a, an apartheid situation where if you have no political or no police recourse or, or, or justice recourse in the justice system, guess what happens? Right. You get people <clears throat> that spill out into the street and situations where people are going to do what they got to do because they feel like I don't have no other way. Dr. King right. said, you know, uh, uh, protest it becomes a voice when you don't have a, when you don't have a voice. You know, right. riots become that sort of a thing. <clears throat> when people don't have a voice, then that's how they speak. It's just so difficult and so hard and so frustrating. And then, of course, we saw before George was murdered, we saw that the day before in Central Park in New York, yeah. where, you know, a white woman was being asked to put her dog on a leash. And it says the park rules clearly state they had the signs there that you cannot have a dog off a leash. And here it is. He's just telling her to do it. And then she makes threats. And of Correct. course, thank God he's videotaping it because we know 
what 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 she wanted to happen was what happened to Mr. Floyd, you know? Yeah, because well, what she's doing is she's weaponizing her white privilege. She is she knew that and she was very confident that what what's what's alarming to me, even though maybe it shouldn't be, what's alarming to me is the fact that she knew he was re she's looking at him he's got his phone up everybody knows what's happening when you point your phone at somebody you're probably recording it so she probably realized he was recording her but that's why she got upset but she mm -hmm. still had the nerve to tell him i'm going to call the cops and they're going to come down here and i'm going to tell them you're doing something to me she knew that in no matter whether you're recording or not i will still call and file a false report and say that you're doing something to me that you're not doing and then exacerbate the situation by like at the end of the call, like acting like it was all urgent, like he was doing something to her right now, so they'll hop in the car and come on over real quick. That was crazy to me. It's like she just started getting more livid as the dog was trying to struggle its life. Right. Which which that's a whole nother story to itself. But she <clears throat> just was, was 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 like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna weaponize the police and they're gonna come down here and smoke you, bro. She just happened to catch a Harvard grad. And that, you know, he was smart enough to record it and smart right. enough to just be uh, on top of it and, and, and get this whole thing. But that woman should be arrested. You know, she should be arrested. And anybody else that will weaponize the police to come out and do stuff. Like there's another story where this lady did off with her kid and blamed it on two black guys. You know, a couple of African-American guys. Because, and that is, this is nothing new, bro. It's nothing new. It's been going on since, you know, Emmett Till. Everything that all of that stuff has been happening since then. It's just now, like Will Smith's quote, I've been seeing floating around. It's like it's not that it hasn't been happening. We're just recording it now. Just people right. are able to just record it. But even in the in the wake of that, that dude sat on that guy's neck. He, he, he sat on his neck as we recorded, as they had it. That was like, and he was like, so, so you got a recorder, big whoop. I'm going right. to still do it. And anybody come over here, you're going to get maced. You know, a lot of people like, I would have went over there and did, like, did something. Well, probably so. You probably would have got shot. Right. And then it have been two deaths. But uh, <clears throat> I think what's happening is is that there is a complete disregard and, and a, complete, a complete situation where they don't give a rat's butt about you seeing them, about them doing the act. It's like they know that they're going to get off. They know that they're okay, and that's why they do it. You wouldn't do that if you just know that uh, there's a good chance that I could be in a lot of trouble for this. You, he did it because he had plenty of time, over seven minutes, to think mm -hmm. about, if I kill this guy, there's probably going to be some problems. He didn't seem to mind that. He didn't seem to mind. So so he wasn't worried about, like, if I let this go too long. What, what, what's shocking to me is that you got – three other dudes that's there that's not thinking, hey, bro, if you off to this, bro, uh, I'm going to be in trouble just like you. Because they are the police. They should have some grip on the law and know that if you are a part of this, you're an accessory to the fact. If I have done uh, a robbery and the commission of the robbery, my other trigger man shot somebody, I stand trial for murder. That's how it works. That's why these other three people got to get brought in too. Right. They're accessories. And I just think the only thing that can be done more so is not is also allowing your voice to be heard, especially if you are white. But the thing is, is to have those difficult conversations that may bother you that need to happen. Like, what do you think of that? We, we, look, we have to. Right? Mm -hmm. It's people dying in the streets. I just, before I even logged on here, a brother sent me a video of a policeman wrestling with a woman, with a woman. First, he tasers, he was tasing her. I guess that didn't work. So he got his gun while she was laying on the ground and shot her like three or four times. Right. I was, just before I came on here, I saw that. I'm like, what the, like, and maybe it's old. Maybe it's, I don't know. But what I know is that there is much less of a uh, incentive for these policemen to try to figure a way to end a conflict peacefully. They don't feel like that's necessary when it comes to black people. I don't have to end this conflict in a peaceful way. 
I don't have to reason with you. How do you have a gentleman? I, I can't even call this dude a gentleman. How do you have a dude go up in a church, shoot nine black people while they in Bible study, and they invite you in? Hey, come on in, white brother. Come on in invite you in and then you shoot him and after the fact you have so much concern for this man you want to go to burger king to get him a dead gum a happy meal you're gonna you're gonna take him down to burger king or go get him a sandwich because he looks like he's hungry right i mean how in the hell does that warrant let me go up in a church for the white folks and start smoking bro that's a that's a suicide mission because they're gonna kill you on the spot they ain't gonna waste no time they're gonna find me, you know. Look at these right. people that's going up on uh, to the state houses and all of these places with, with heavy artillery. On the, talk about, I'm tired of being cooped up for Corona. They can they can be patient with them. Let the Black Panther show up with some hardware. Right. Once again, they'll have B two bombers flying over to drop bombs on them. Because Crazy it's nice. like these black guys, man, y'all are a threat. And you got a gun. Like it from last I checked, everybody on the, uh, talking about Second Amendment. Hey, it's just not the Second Amendment for us, for black folks. We don't have Second Amendment. You kind of got, yeah, you can get your gun, but your gun, like Mr. Castile, is going to get you shot. Right. It's going to get you shot if you announce, oh, I, hey, by the way, I have a gun. I'm legally able to carry. Oh, my God, pop. You know, wow. He told you. That's what he's supposed to do. So right. how does that work? And it's just crazy right now because I'm seeing something on CNN that people were talking about what's happening in Atlanta, demonstrators turning violent at the CNN Center. Did you see uh, this morning when the CNN reporter got arrested while filming in Minneapolis? Yes, sir. And, and I hope with CNN's vast money and lawyers that they sue the crap out of the, out of the police department for that. Bro, this is what I'm saying. In, in this country, and especially mm -hmm. for my dear friends on the right, the Republican friends that I have, for for for, the, for, for these folks to be staunch, uh, allegedly and formally staunch supporters of the Constitution and the rule of law, you know that's the kind of stuff when they run in, they run in on the rule of law and the Constitution and and all of that kind of stuff, individual mm -hmm. rights, you know, freedom of speech. It only seems to work when it's in your favor. You have a situation where you have a news station that's out. I heard the brother talking. He wasn't talking like against the police. He was just saying what's happening. And then they came up and not to mention there were some other white reporters. They were still reporting. They didn't arrest them. They right. sent in a message, man. And that's what it's about at this point. It's like it's 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 people are really trying to set off this whole race war, this whole thing. By, by by deliberately picking sides and, and picking people and doing right. this kind of thing. That's what I think, man. And I think that uh, uh, I don't know what that serves for anybody, what that serves with regard to the economy, to, to this country. It's, it is a divisive thing. It's going to end in a, in, a, in a very bad way. It's not going to go well. And for what? For what purpose? So it's crazy to me, man. It's ridiculous. And we just, you know, um, Prince once said for us to celebrate our similarities. Like, it's cool that we have differences, but we need to celebrate our similarities. I wish we can see how we're not really that much different. We both believe the same color, right? Well, you, you know, one of, the most, one of the most favorite things out of my years, you know, uh, there's some, I guess, some kind of debate about how long I've been with Prince. Like, who's been there the longest? I don't think there's any debate about it. Over a 20-year span, just in the band, I took about three years, two and a half, three years when I was playing with Maceo and I was kind of doing stuff with Prince in and out of that period. But 17 years solid. So for anybody that's trying to guess about how long, I came at the end in like 92, and I left in 2012. Mm -hmm. All right? So and then the span with Maceo and we came and did some shows with Musicology with Prince with Maceo, blah blah blah. Okay, so just so everybody's clear, it's nothing to argue about. It just is what it is. But anyway, during that course of the time, one of the most favorite things that I had, that I that I liked 
about what Prince would say and what he would do. We used to be in stadiums with 20-some thousand people or more in, you know, and Prince would say, look at all of us. We just of all different races, different religious beliefs, different backgrounds, creed. He said, but look, we're all having a good time. Everybody having a good time, right? And the crowd would just go crazy. They just cheer, cheer, cheer. And he says, how come we can't go outside? We're getting along in here. How can we not go outside and do the same thing? Everybody lays down their weapon and we come in here and we groove together. We funk together. We do this music together. Some people laugh, some people cry, and but we all have a good time, man. That's what it is for me as a musician that was a, like that that I loved about what I did and what and who I worked with and what I did is because we were ambassadors all over the world for music, for peace, and for togetherness and things like that, man. And that showed to me at least in a small window, that we can do it if that if we have the right mindset. It's the same <clears> thing, man. We right. can do that. If, 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 if Muslim and Jews and everybody else can get along when we come into a place where there's music and we can get along in there and everybody have a good time, why can't we do it outside? We can. It's, we can do it. Right. It's a choice. And, and if people would just understand for a minute that, we're all really the same, man. You know, I, I lived in China, man. A, a, a friend of mine, Zoe Ryan, um, invited me to, to live in uh, Shanghai. So I lived in Shanghai close to six months, man. I had never been to China before that started going. And man, I had heard all kind of stuff about China and this, that, and the other, you know. So I'm like, oh, man, China. I don't know, Zoe. It's China, you know. Man, I go to China. Shanghai was like one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. Cool people. Yeah, I felt the weight of the government, like looking at my device and stuff like that. They could do that. That is what it is. But I mean, what do I care, man? I'm not a spy. I'm not a, a, a some dissident type of person. As I, I'm a musician, man. I go to play music and I do, like spread love, bro. And so the people, what I just was like, this is it's the same, man. It's people, man. They got their kids. They want to go to school. They want to do this. I experienced nothing but people like, you know, uh, uh, coming up to me and being kind to me and, and, and including me in a lot of, I never once felt like, I mean, I could walk the streets at night, yo, <clears throat> not even knowing where I really was going. I felt okay doing that, walking the street. And in some places, I wouldn't want to do that in some place right here in the United States, bro. So so a lot of it is, is like propaganda, what you get fed and everything like that. I go all over the world, man. There's wonderful places all over the world. And I think that's what the problem was that a lot of Americans don't have either the will or the benefit of where they're able to travel and go see the world and go see that there is things outside of the United States and outside of other places. You know, you don't have to be just from the States. You can be from anywhere and don't want to travel. I think you have to be in a situation where you are open to different, um, uh, different type of ideas different types of uh, environments and everything and try to, let's see if we can learn and grow from different things that we are able to absorb and learn from. That's what it is for me, man. That's why I kind of picked up some of the things that I think about and some of the things I see because of experience. Right. Now say, because I know people, you know, they're, they're going with Baltimore and we know that um, the person that did the artwork for it but let's get to We March from the Gold Experience and that being a message. And the inspiration, I believe, was the Million Man March. But of course, with stuff going on, it takes up more importance. When the song was being created or whatnot, because you were you were there, can you can you explain if you had any conversations with Prince or how that song came to be in your yeah, point of view? I, I mean, it, it kind of went through a couple of incarnations before it ended up like it was on the record. And it was a, it was a bad joint, but like, like yeah, Million Man March, you know, we used to have um, uh, FOI used to be uh, security for the New Power Generation uh, for, some, for some for for some time. My brother Jalal Farrakhan was a uh, head of security when we were uh, rolling. At one point, we've used all different types of folks, man. And um, you know, uh, I know on a couple of occasions uh, uh, that uh, that Minister Farrakhan had reached out to a lot of musicians and everything and different folks. And, and, it, and it's like um, there was a lot of, uh, of things going on. And when the Million Man March happened, I think it just showed people that 
the power of when you get a lot of people together on a message that you can affect some type of change. And uh, my, my thing is, it's like when we realize that we put things together and we get people together, I'm not mm -hmm. into this whole thing of separating everybody and doing all of this kind of stuff. I'm into like, what can we do if we come together and do something? That's where I am. You know, it's one of the things yeah. I learned from Prince. Prince always had a diverse band. He took a lot of uh, from, from Sly and the Family Stone. Sly Stone was mm -hmm. like one of the most diverse bands for his time because he had black people, he had white people, he had men, he had women. You know, it was a very diverse band. And that's what Prince did. You know, he had females, he had white folks, black folks. He had great folks. You know, everybody was, was basically there because they were great in their respective roles. The revolution was great because they all were great players in their respective roles and, uh, and, and did what they did. And so he just had a basically a melting pot in a band scenario. And so I think when, when it came to like doing like we march and, 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 and doing that, it was about what can we do to just like ignite people's minds into like what we can accomplish when we do things together. That's what the, what the thing was as far as I could see. And, um, and, and that was made it powerful, not to, not to mention that it was a funky song. And, and when we played it live, it just was one of those fun songs to play. But I think that's why a lot of people kind of get sideways when it comes to like talking about whether or not Prince was political and this, that, and the other. I'm not here to, 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 to debate uh, what Prince's intentions were. I, don't, I can't even sit here and begin to like act like I know what Prince's thoughts are about politics and about a lot of stuff that's not what my role is you know i just know that he you know to say he was apolitical he had no interest in it is not necessarily true i don't think that's true i think he did uh, he acknowledged when things were happening he made songs about it baltimore is a, is a great example of just mm -hmm. you know something that happened during the social unrest with that scenario with mr freddie gray and i, I think um you know there were there were there were instances where he ronnie talked to russia and different things like that, where he spoke on different situations that was going on at the time. Not to say that he was, you know, I, I know that Prince wasn't necessarily in the voting. He and I used to have sometimes arguments about voting. I remember he asked me directly one time about it. He said, do you vote Morris? I said, yeah. And, 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 I, and he said, um, um, he said, do you, do you understand that the, that the system is going to fall down? I said, yes, sir, I do. I do understand that. He said, but then why do you vote? And I just said, well, for me, Prince is like this. And I said, if I'm sitting on a ship and I know that that ship is sinking, but while I'm on the ship, I'm going to do everything I can do to bail it out. I'm going to be bailing water out to try to keep the boat floating while I'm on it. Right. Yes, I do believe that the system is going to fail. I think that's even according to what the Bible says. It will, you know, if we get into revelations, it's all of this is going to fall down eventually. But I'm trying to not get it to fall down while I'm in the boat or while my kids are in the boat. I don't have kids. But, you know, allegedly for those of us who have kids, you always want to think about what's there in the future for them, right? right. I got nephews and nieces. I got my goddaughter. I got people's kids who I love. I want to see them have a better world. Most of my time is already behind me. So anything that we're doing right now should be about shoring up the situation for the kids now so that they have a place. That's why I love that Greta, the young lady Greta. Because that kid shows when people say, oh, you just one person, you can't do nothing. That girl was 16 years old when she set off to do her thing. And she just started a movement <clears throat> based mm -hmm. on the fact that she says, I am going to do it myself. If I have to sit on a rock by myself, I'm going to do it. And she gained momentum. And by virtue of that, I mean, this girl's nominated for a Nobel Prize because of her hard work and because she believed that one person could make a difference. And she has proved positive that one person can. And so for me, brother, uh, when I hear talk about what we can't do and what this and that and the other, I, and look, man, I, nobody has self-doubt more than me sometimes, man. I got people like Jill Willis and, and some of my bandmates and Zoe and people that have to remind me, like, bro, you can do it. You can go out here and do things and, and, and try to reassure me about my talents and everything like that, man. Even mm -hmm. Prince had, you know, man, I'm telling you, I knew this brother very well over the years, man. That dude had insecurities, man. And I used to talk to him like, Prince, you Prince, man. You Prince, dog. You can do anything. 
but that was the humanizing factor about him. That's what I loved about it, is that he had flaws like everybody else, man. Even Superman got kryptonite, bro. There's a reason why metaphorically all of that works because there's a weakness that we all have. That's why we need one another. That's why we need people to show us up sometimes we don't feel good and we feel like we can't do nothing, man. Somebody got to come up and say, you can do it, bro. You can do it, sis. You know, and have a help meet. Have somebody to help you, man. That's what that's what God made friends for. And people man. like Jill and people like Zoe and all of these folks that I know in my life that 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 are that are good friends to me that can tell me like, hey, bro, hey, you're doing a good job or whatever, and, and, and let's keep it moving. You know, we all need that. Right. And I also appreciate like tomorrow with the protests going on, uh, Dudley D, DJ Dudley D and Paisley Knights yeah. are doing uh, the rally for peace, a dance rally for peace, which is something that Prince did before Baltimore. I believe it's at, uh, starts at seven o'clock. Seven o'clock. A central time tomorrow. Yeah. So I'm glad that they're doing that. I want to make sure we mention, we'll make sure to mention it towards the end of the show, but it's glad that they're doing stuff like it. And I know sometimes when stuff would happen in Prince's own hometown, it hurt him too much and he didn't want to attack you know, city officials. So it'd be easier, at least in my opinion, and I'm not speaking for him at all. It'd be easier for him to take on places like Baltimore instead of having the focus being put back on Minneapolis when stuff would happen there that he didn't exactly agree with. You know, bro, the funny thing about that is, you know, uh, it's always tough when you're from your hometown, you know. You, a lot of times you just seem to be more appreciated everywhere else rather than, you know, because here, well, here, I say here, but in Minneapolis, like, yeah, yeah, what about, I know Chris, man, right around the corner, man, I see Chris all the time, well, whatever, you know. And it's like a lot of times people are like, they, it really has an impact. People used to wonder all the time back in the day when we used to spend a lot of time in Europe and everywhere. Be like, why y'all in Europe so much? Why y'all right. be in the States? This and that and the other. It's like, sometimes, man, it would be like, we, did, we, didn't, we didn't have the same reception in the States that we did in Europe. You know, there was a different type of, of, of energy that was happening. And we would plan one year where we just would be in Europe for a while. And then the next year we may be in uh, back in the States side. So, you know, it's like, there was different reasons, and, and, and uh, you know, that he would, would do things the way he did. And a lot of times you're just not appreciated at home the way you are. And I, and I think he was appreciated better than most, probably. But still, there's that thing, just being a local guy, that's just your local. You know, Prince was a local hero. But mm -hmm. it's like when he went out and when we went out into the world, it was a big deal. It was, man, people was crazy, man, you know. He could go to the club in Minneapolis and it'd be like, oh, it's cool, that's press, you know, but you know, he live here. But when right. we would go to LA or we go to New York and we go into some place that like, oh, woo! He used to call it um, he used to call it vortex energy. He said, watch Morris, watch what happens when we sit down. And and it just like it bro, it never failed. You just see the one trickle and then two trickle, and then before long there's a crowd of people now sitting at, around the area wherever we sit he called it he said this is vortex energy that's what he would say and so that's what would happen in different places and um and so i think a lot of times man when you're at home it's just that you're not appreciated as well and i think prince was more fortunate than most that he was actually loved in minneapolis um especially there toward the end i think uh prince said i saw a, a complete change and Prince, especially after I left in 2012, just in how he dealt with the band, how he dealt with like riding his bike uh, down the street. You know, at one point I went and bought him a bicycle, man. I bought Prince a bike and uh, at, at this bike shop in Chanhassen, man. And uh, and, and I used to take him over to the, 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 the little coffee shop. Kirk's daughter, Kayla, used to work over there. And I'd drive Prince over. And he'd go like with a hundred dollar bill and just like give them a hundred dollars and take four coffee drinks with them, you know. And it's just stuff like that, man. That's just he started doing toward the end. That was real cool, man, because it just like he didn't trip about this whole rock star thing. <clears throat> he just went in the stores. I took him in the hardware store, just like stuff like normal cats do, you know what right. I mean? And just kind of humanized him with the people, and and he just felt more comfortable being out and being on his bike and. And doing stuff like that, man. And I thought that was real cool. You know, I thought that was really cool that he could do that. And he just got to move to a different place 
with that whole rock star thing, you know? Right. And now, just to get back, get back on the thing. Hold on, like, man. I have to wait, man, before you yes. do that, man. I think about that part. I mean, I'm tripping myself right now. Uh-huh. Like I, I bought Prince a bicycle. <laughs> out of your pocket, out of your money. Bruh. Think, I just had to, I had to get my head around that for a second. It wasn't a thing that I don't think about it at the time, but I don't know how many people, besides his mom and dad, could probably run that number and say they bought, you bought Prince a bicycle. Maybe Kirk bought a bicycle or two. But that's kind of right. crazy. But I, that just kind of messed me up for a second, man. I had to, had to get my head around that for a minute. That's all <laughs> good. <laughs> now, it's just craziness and, and a good memory for sure. And yeah, hopefully yeah, he yeah. liked the bike and didn't, like, did he, like, I could just see him kicking the tire, making sure you know, it's no, working no, properly. Was, he liked the bike, but he, but I told him I'm only gonna buy the bike if you wear this helmet. I gotta get you. He said he wanted the helmet part. He said he's not gonna wear the helmet because he's gonna mess his hair up. I said, well, I, I said, hey, Prince, well, I ain't buying the bike unless you get the helmet. And he said, well, yeah. so we had this big fight. I just told him, I said, if you're not gonna get the helmet, bro, I'm out because I can't be responsible if you fall down, hurt yourself. And uh, and finally, he agreed. You know, to, to let me do it. If he, and I bought the two. I bought a helmet for myself because I had a bike and I didn't have a helmet either. So I figured if I'm gonna make, if I'm gonna make him get one, I'm gonna get one. Man, I do. I bought two helmets and and, uh, and got his bike. I saw him run the bike. He helped helmet one on dog. He threw the helmet away or something. Man, he didn't even wear it. But it's funny. It's a funny moment. But he didn't. He didn't wear the helmet. I mean, <laughs> from him having the bike. Man. Right, and then when he'd be rollerblading, you know, or stuff, yeah. not even oh, wearing yeah. a helmet then, you know. Yeah. Can't mess up the do, though. But, it, but it's crazy. Can't mess yes. up the fro. He didn't wear seatbelts either because he didn't want to get his clothes wrinkled. I said, yeah, I'm driving, you're going to wear seatbelts. That that was my thing, man. But always, you know, uh, Prince was Prince, man. And, and I, I miss and love that brother, man, because so many moments like that, man, and a lot, a lot of stuff that, that just, right. like I said, that just humanized the man. And, uh, uh, you know, just that you think about, man. That's why it's just so egregious to me what's happening right now in right. Minneapolis, our beloved city, man. Mm-hmm. To me, Prince loved that city. He loved Minneapolis. I used to ask him, like, because I used to think, man, Prince, you got money. You could be anywhere, bro. Right. He's like, man, I ain't going nowhere, man. I love it here, man. This is my city. He got places that he can go to and that he can go bounce off to if he needs to go. Had that really right. dope place in Paris. He had the house that I lived in for a while in L.A. and Beverly Hills. I mean, so he had all of these cool places. But, man, Minneapolis, Chair Hansen was always at the center of Prince Orbit, man. It was always there, bro. And, and he loved the Twin Cities. That's why it breaks my heart, man, to see what's happening, man, to see the destruction and to see what's going on with the people there, man. It's heartbreaking, bro. And I just I cannot help just every few minutes thinking like what would prince be doing what would he say right. like with this situation going on because i know he would say or do something you know i know he would because it's a city that he loves so much man and i think right. it's like it's one of those blatant things now that you know you have to be you have to know what's happening and you have to know what's going on you know a blind man can see what's happening in the city and what's, what's going down and it has to be right. addressed now, someone asked this, although I wanted to bring up, like, we were worried about him not wearing a seatbelt because Prince had a tendency to kind of speed a little bit. Man, Prince was a terrible driver, bro. I was always scared to ride with him in the car. I would make him drive me. I would make it. I'd drive the car when I'm in the car with him because I'm like, right. you drive too fast, man. I remember he saw me in the yard one day, and um, I was standing out in the yard. I don't know if I was talking to Kirk. Or I don't know what I was doing, man, but I was standing in the yard. And from his driveway, if he, he could see me. So he looked over, man. This dude was going way too fast to make that turn. And he, <laughs> his driveway wasn't paved. It was like a rocky driveway, bro. He hit that driveway. His car just went sideways. Like, I was like this because I thought it was going in the ditch, man. And I was like, and I told him after because he was thinking about, oh, I see more. So I'm going to drive around and go over to his house. But he was like a split decision. Do I make the turn or do I go to his house? And it's just like he almost went in this deep ravine that was out in front of his house. And when he got over to my place, I said, Prince, you are the worst driver I've ever seen, bro. You almost right. flipped that car over in the ditch. I think he was in his SUV. He used to have this black, uh, this black Lexus like uh, SUV. And then he hit the brakes on that car. I just said, dude, you are a terrible driver. You just drive too fast, man. He uh, would but, but, accelerate more than hit the brakes. 
But definitely. I know, man. And when and when he first got that Bentley, we were out in Beverly Hills, man, and, and, he, and he let me drive. <laughs> and, and and this was funny, man, because uh, and I, not to get too sidetracked, man, but some of this no. stuff. Sometimes we need a little levity. Uh, we need some this, of this. He got this Bentley, uh, and uh, he said, "Oh, you want to drive?" And we were. He used to like to stay at this hotel in Beverly Hills, uh, the Beverly Hills Hotel, and we were gonna go down the House of Blues. You know, it's like right down the Sunset Strip. Mm-hmm. So he said, "So I'm like, yeah, cool, you know." So I'm behind this thing, man. It's got like it's a B12, so it's got gets bananas, right? So I'm in the car. He said, "Go ahead, punch it." I said, "Prince, man, man, we on Sunset, man. It's on the Sunset Strip, and man, we in, in, in Beverly Hills, man. I'm not trying to do like." He said, man, Morris, quit being a sissy, man. Like, go on and punch it, man. Like, if you get a ticket, I'll pay for it. I said, well, press it. Go on my record, though, man. He said, man, go, man. I punched this car, bro. You, you know, in the cartoons, where, when you take off and then the arms go and then you go behind and the smoke come out from behind. Bro, I punched this car. It took off so fast, yo. I'm almost, I almost drove up in these trees, man. I almost killed us. And, man, this dude is over in the seat, like, I thought he was going to suffocate. He was laughing so hard, man. And I'm like, bro, I almost killed us, man. Like, this car is so fast. Like, you don't expect a car that heavy to, like, take off like that. And that was right. just the funniest thing in the world of him, man, because I almost wrecked the car <clears throat> trying to, like, take off in this thing and just got away from me, man. And it was like bananas. But, yeah, he, that driving thing, bro, I always thought Prince probably going to be one of them, like, the, the James Dean thing. Like, I was hoping that that would never happen because he just drove too damn fast, bro. But, it's I'm, I'm so it's all these experiences. Man. It was just man. For sure, and someone brought up this question, um, uh-huh. and now I I because I I remember when he said the reason that he loved Minneapolis so much was like when he knew the Dream Factory would end in L.A. He'd always come back there. But he also spoke to me because the last time he had a house out in L.A. was 2011 during the Forum Run. And he told me in 2014 he's done with L.A. for a bit. But why do you think he loved Minneapolis so much? Well, I, I think Prince loved the scene. He loved the music, man. I, you know, I'm an import, man. So I got the benefit of all of the stories from, like, Sonny and, and uh, you know, Craig Rice and a bunch of the people that were there from the beginning. You know, they it was, like, it was wonderful, man, because it was, like, story time, you know? Here we have this, 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 this fairy-like creature in Prince that was, like, this legend, man, like, like legend. And so everybody had their stories of like Prince growing up and, and what happened back in the day with the Battle of the Bands and him and Morris and, and Terry and Jimmy and like all of the different people, man. And it's just like folklore. It's just like like reading like one of those fables that you read in school. And everybody had these real life stories, man. And Prince loved the music scene that was there. He loved being able to create a scene for music in Minneapolis. And, uh, and like he always said in some of the interviews, he just said, man, he liked the cold weather, man, because it kept out the riffraff. You know, it's just like he could be here and you would shed. You know, you go in and you practice, man, and, and you didn't you had to worry about being outside if you're inside getting better at your craft. Right. And so it was like he said things like that, man. I think he loved the, the, um, uh, the, the, the people. And, and the vibe of Minneapolis, man. And that's what I loved about it when I came to the city, man. It was very diverse. You know, one of the most diverse places I've ever been, besides like San Francisco. It's like, you you, you have this incredible diverse uh, peoples and, and I saw mixed race people and, and folks weren't tripping about a lot of this stuff that we tripping about now. It was it was just like this, this Shangri-La, man. I remember when me and my crew came up from Texas, you know, and uh, just kind of checking Minneapolis out <clears throat> for the first time. It was just like, wow, wow, looking around. And it was just so cool, man. And, you know, that whole Minnesota nice thing, you know, people just speaking to you. And it ain't funny style, at least from what I experienced. You know, of course, you can run up on anybody. But I didn't experience that, man. We just oh, And I can understand <clears throat> why somebody like him, diverse as he is, would like a place like that. You know what I mean? That's what I thought. Right. That's just, you know, he had love for there and it was his hometown. And he, you know, he never really left it for long, you know. No, not for long, man. I mean, you know, First Avenue is just like, oh, you know, uh, uh, Nakarima, like all of these places that were like legendary because those were the places that, you know, he would play and that we would hang out. And and, uh, back in the day, you know, like all of these, you know, these, 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 these local spots. That's what I loved about it, the, the scene like that, man, especially back in the day. 
uh, you had a, a vibrant music scene that all different types of music and, and, and things like that in, in certain spots <clears throat> that you could go and, and kind of do like from back I, I, I went to Minnesota like in the 80s and like the mid to, mid to late 80s and to, and to live in like 1988 I think the first time I went was like 86 uh, and, and we knew this is the place man that's where destiny was going to lead us and uh, and, right. and I was been permanent since like 88 right and like now they're showing protests happening in LA I'm just having this stuff on and here it is you know people get upset about other things being protested but someone was just trying to take a knee and then they got upset about that and now we have this stuff <laughs> How it's like? How are we supposed to be able to protest in the right way when there'll be people with guns that show up and not wanting to wear masks what, in certain cities? What you have to realize, I'm gonna just cut that short and just tell uh -huh. you, it's a very easy answer. What you have to realize, there is no white right way for black people to protest. There is no right way. If, mm -hmm. if this man can't peacefully say, "I'm protesting." The, uh, the the treatment from police and black people in America, and then you got people like Donald Trump and all the people on the, in the on the politicized and talking about it's against the flag and against the soldiers and against the police. That's a bunch of crap. That's a you're changing, you're taking the narrative and you're trying to flip it to something else. It was right. not about the flag. It was not about the uh, uh, you know the police. I mean I mean excuse me about the about all of that other stuff. It is about police treatment of black peoples in America. That's what his whole purpose was taking right. the So now they want to try to spin it around and like you disrespecting the flag and all of this other kind of stuff. So what is he supposed to do? He did it in a peaceful way. That wasn't right. good enough. So now you got people that's out, that's riding in the street. That's now they thugs and all kind of other names that you know that Donald Trump want to call them. There's some thugs. That's all racist talk anyway. That's all dog whistle stuff just put out there like if you talk about them like this you know the playbook has been put in since the 70s bro when nixon was there that playbook already is handed out they knew how you marginalize people let's first get drugs in the neighborhood get think get guns and drugs in there black people ain't got no planes not going getting drugs where you think this stuff come from it's brought there by the people who got power who got ways to get stuff in come on man we know what time it is so, so then, then what? There is no right way for us. Right. Oops, I may have lost. There we go. We got you back, Morris. Lost you for a second. Uh, call my phone. So when I when I do it, I hit the the, 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 the stop button. But uh, but there is no right way, according to the people in power for us. Where we supposed to, we supposed to just stand here and take it? Just bend over, just take it. It's all good. You, you know, you can't you can't take a knee. You can't take a a uh, torch, you can't take nothing. So so folks are going to do something. They're not going to sit around and be shot and be tased and be electrocuted and all kinds of hung and all kinds of other things like that without finally having enough. And I think a lot of people have hit that point. I think you have a lot of people that that uh, that have been cooped up with COVID <clears throat> and all of this. And, and that's yet another thing that I think comes into this discussion, folks, is that, you know, when you have a powder keg like that, and then you exacerbate it by doing something as blatant as what this man did to this man, I don't, right. I don't know how you don't know that that's what's going to happen. I don't know how you don't know. Of course, that's going to happen. Right now, what the people in the, in the city have got to ask themselves is like what I said on my uh, uh, post: is that are you willing to burn the city, the Twin Cities down, L.A. Mm -hmm. Atlanta, all of these places down for these four men. That seems like a very high price to pay for somebody who blatantly, that if either you or I had done such a thing with that much empirical evidence, that's, your lawyer will be trying to plead down to you not to get the death penalty. <clears throat> He'll be talking about, okay, we're just going to go ahead and cop a plea and get life with no parole over this, because that's an open and shut case. But, in the, but if a policeman does it, not so much. Right. We got to make sure <clears throat> that uh, we got the right, and then give them some charges like third-degree murder. I mm -hmm. think if you sit in there seven minutes, uh, you you don't have to have premeditated murder a day ahead. You could be premeditating it 
the first few minutes you've got this dude on the ground. Right. That's premeditation. It's <clears throat> a lot of it. Um, Mark is bringing up an interesting question. I'm going to bring it up over here, although it's going to block a little bit of us. I know specifically um, Prince referenced the death of James Bird in the song The War. Did Prince talk with you in the band about situations like this in America? What were those conversations like? Man, we talked about this. Man, we talked about everything. We talked about what I'm talking about right now, politics. We talked about conspiracy theories. We talked about everything, man. Because Prince was a very smart guy. He was very smart. He read a lot. See, that's the other thing. You know, Prince liked to read. So he liked to get facts. And man, I'm even like guilty of that sometimes. You know, you speak sometimes without having all of the facts. You right. know, Prince was very meticulous about making sure that he's very learned, he would read. And, and and he even told me that about his song right now. When I asked him like, what was the <clears> thing he was the best at? He said, man, I think at the end of the day, I'm a poet, I'm a, I'm a songwriter, you know? Right. And that's what I do best. And I completely agree with him. He said, because nobody reads no more, man. Nobody reads poetry, nobody reads anything. And that was a big deal to him. And so we talked about a lot of stuff with politics, a lot of stuff with religion all different types of things because he had an right. open mind. He had an open mind. So he was open to like looking at things and experimenting with things and, and, and trying to find out seeking. Because you know when I had some people ask me about what, what do you think about Prince being a Jehovah's Witness? And I said, you know what, bro? I, I just said, you know, I don't have no problem with him seeking because what is going to happen if he's looking, he is going to find it seek right. and you shall find so he may not you know just like wherever you are in the he was always the type that was going to keep searching and keep trying to get the answer the thing with prince is he was very impatient so that meant that he wasn't going to let somebody just like siphon out and feed out just stuff in little doses to him he wanted to know like what's this what's that what's this over here and i want to know now that's right. the way he was, you know? Totally. And of course, I see people saying it's not a partisan issue, it's a race issue, which is true. Can't get yes. politics all messed up in it because it's been happening a lot, whether a Democrat was in office or a Republican was in office. It just, these things need to change. People do stir some stuff up, though. We understand that, but we need to come together. Absolutely. We're blue and red. No, yeah. it's okay. Blue and red are just too divided right now, in my opinion. But go right ahead, Morris. No, brother, but, but here's, the, here's, the, here's the situation. Racism was around when Obama was around. Racism mm. was around when Clinton was around. It was around when Bush was around. You know, that's not a, the issue about whether or not it was present. But I don't think in either of those cases, there was a blatant call. A blatant call for like the looting start the shooting start right people that's looting you're gonna start shooting brother when i was in minneapolis one time my, my brother rick kitchen brother rick rock i was hanging out with him downtown minneapolis you know at this point i'm living in la and i'm coming to minneapolis to rehearse you know when we get ready to go out and um we went downtown hanging out and after we were done it was like two he told me like straight off the top like at, at two o'clock, bro, we got to be out of here. We got to go. We got to go. And so, man, you know, man, I, I'm, I'm living in L.A. I come back to Twin City. So people see me. They're like, hey, what's up, Mr. Hayes, blah, blah, blah. And I'm stopping. I'm hollering at people, man, shaking hands and whatever. You know, I'm like, what's up, what's up? We just reek like, oh, man, we got to go. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, man, I'm cool. Let me just holler at this dude. Like, it's like, whatever, you know, it's cool. All of a sudden, I'm talking to somebody, and I'm going like, like, what the, what the hell is happening to me, man? Well, it turns out it's pepper spray, and they're spraying down the block. And Rick said, "This is what I'm trying to tell you, man. They're gonna they spray. They're gonna start spraying the pepper spray." And I'm like, "I'm choking, man. I can't breathe." So I'm like, well, "How did you know that was gonna happen? How did how did you know?" He said, "Because that's what they do every Friday and Saturday night. Because they want to clear the people off the street." I'm like, well, "Do they go down after the football game?" And clear all the people off the street after the game is over, and revelers after the, they win the suit. People tearing up the city—that's revelers. When a gang of black folks do anything, then that's a riot, and it's some thugs. 
<clears throat> but you got, yeah, they won the game. You know, the U won the championship. It's revelers then. We're just out having a good time, right. burning up trash barrels and turning over cars. We're just having a good old time. Yeah. But for us, it's like we're thugs and murderers and all kinds of other names that they want to attach to uh, people of color when we go out and do anything. Then it sees all the perception of that's what you are and that's what these folks are. So a lot of times with politics, I've right. never seen a president go out and say some of the things like you can put the people's head in the car and just don't take your hand away and hit their head on the way in. That's not due process. That's not like policing. That's not the way you're supposed to do. What's supposed to happen is just like they did the young man that shot all the people in church, being kind to the folks. And I don't know if a lot of people remember when the biker gang, all of them people got to shooting up a bunch of people. Man, them bikers were sitting on the police. There's photographs of the police yeah. sitting on the tailgate with the with the Hells Angels or whoever it was that they were like, all of the, they just all sitting out there chilling, man. And it was like, all these people getting shot. And they just like, we're going to take our time and figure this thing out. They got a lot of patience, a lot of patience until it's like it's black folks. Then we don't have, as soon as you look, oh, he's mad, get the gun. He's mad, we got a, he's a threat. I'm afraid for my life. I can't count how many policemen when they're on trial, they say, well, I was afraid for my life. Bro, I didn't tell you to take a police job. That's a hard job. Right. I didn't take a police job. And not because it's not an honorable job. It's because I'm too scared to go out every day mm -hmm. put my life on the line to get shot up. I, that ain't my thing. So I commend anybody in the police force that for honorable reasons went to the police force because they want to make a difference. I know people that's policemen. I know people in law enforcement. And a lot of them are good people. So don't let's, let's not get it twisted. But I right. think if you're a bad actor and a bad seed in any walk of life, then you should be like turned over to the authorities so that you can do what's right. And that will instill uh, confidence in the police department and confidence that there's justice in America and in the world. Because if you don't have that, you don't have anything. Nobody wants to be like driving down the road in armored cars because people hate you. That mm -hmm. doesn't serve <clears throat> any purpose, man. Not to me, it doesn't. I fully understand that. I just, all of this is just crazy. I mean, we're, we were dealing with having to stay home, having to stay inside, dealing with a virus that we're not so sure of. And then this just pops up on top of it. I mean, it's just craziness going on. As I know we're almost reaching the hour point or whatnot. Um, and I know that you were, these are different times that we're dealing with right now with COVID and you guys were trying to plan, you know, you guys had a tour plan, you had to cancel it. And now yeah. you're hoping to get back out in the fall. Now we're just touching base just on that a little bit, just so you can say anything. Because I know that you really, you would love to be able, I'm sure, being trapped inside with something like this, you would love to be able to play your music to the people, you know, and get it out, you know? I, I want people to understand a couple of things about, about that. And that is, is like, of course, you know, we want the country to open back up and we want things to be, you know, kind of like, resemble what it used to be like, but we also understand that we're dealing with the unknown. We're dealing with a virus that they don't really know everything about it. So right. of course, what we're going to do is follow the guidelines. We have to like plan that like our lives, like people want to live and people want to go and do things. And music is a very powerful thing that everybody in tough times need to, 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 to get through, man. Entertainment has always been that to people in times of war, in times of anything that's like that national situations, music is always the relief. That's why we have the USO and comedy and all of those, the comedians and, and everybody that's entertainers of whatever walk of life entertainers come into focus during these times. But at the same time, brother, we don't want to go out, get our fans sick, get us sick. Get, you know, so we, we're going to follow guidelines based on what the states put out and, and uh, what everybody says, if it's healthy for people to be, it's social distancing. And whatever that we're going to comply with, uh, with whatever that uh, the mandate is based on state to state situations. If right. we say no more than 10 people, then we have to adhere to that. You know, we mm -hmm. have to go along with the guidelines that are put forth. And so we, we don't want to have nobody get out too soon and get jacked up or, or anything like this. So rest assured, our management and our people are looking at to make sure that everything is going to be abided by in the right way. And that, uh, and that we're not getting people sick or we're getting ourselves sick because that doesn't serve the purpose for anybody. 
We want our right. fans to be healthy <clears throat> and to be happy. And so we we just trying to like do our our thing and just like plan to like because we don't want to wait too late before the season because tours work in season. We have to put things out there in such a timely fashion that people can get their money together, they can get their sitters together, they can get their lives together because they got a date coming up. You know, most big acts put their stuff out a year. Sade had a show out a year in advance. You know, they do that so people can like plan and, and, and buy tickets early, and then you got your stuff. So. That's why we have to try to announce things like that. But, of course, it's very fluid, and we're going to be, like, keeping an eye out for whatever's <clears> happening with, uh, with, the, with the states and to, to make sure that everything is in compliance. Right. I appreciate it so much. I know that, Justin, before we close, just want to get this thing, because I know Rainbow Children got re-released today on vinyl, and you contributed to that album. Any thoughts on that? I'm just going to let you go with it. Well, you know what, man? Rainbow Children in School. It had, a, it had a, it's a, some really dope things. I mean, you know, that's when I was messing around with my computer and, and uh, you know, this whole thing with this low voice, computer voice talking. Uh, you know, Prince, whenever some tech like that would get introduced, he just would run with it, man. And it was like a lot of fun trying to type out the words so that the diction worked. You know, like instead of saying bass, the computer would say bass. And so you had to spell bass, like bass guitar, B-A-S-E, so that it would pronounce it the right way to play your bass. And, and, you know, so it was a lot of stuff like that, man. And, and it was a great record. I was kind of mad. I remember having an argument with Prince about the mix on the record. And it was the thing he was going for. It's like, you know, I have to learn my lesson. Because Prince sometimes, he going for a thing. I just... I just knew we had Tom Tucker, man. I think Tom Tucker was one of the greatest engineers in the game, man. That dude, I love Tom Tucker. I love the mixes that Tom would do, how he made drums sound, you know, Diamonds and Pearls, and like those records were like just killing to me. Michael Bland drums were just like huh. killing, you know. So I remember hearing this record, and the drums were just so dead and dusty, kind of the sound, like he put a blanket over them. But that was the thing; he was going for a thing, and I was like, Prince. Yeah, I remember he said, oh, you, you heard the record? I was like, yeah, when well, you going to get it mixed? And Masters, it's already mixed. <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, dude, that's the mix? Yeah. Why? Like, why? I'm like, man, these drums sound dusty, man. I'm like, what? what? I like it. <laughs> it's like, you know. So it was like one of those things, man. It was just a taste thing, and he, he was going for a sound. And that's what I, again, you know, and I, like I said, I, man, I joke with Prince, and I say stuff. But, brother, I ain't trying to argue with Prince about no music. I ain't got right. not one Grammy, not one American Music Award. That dude got hardware lined up down the hall. So I ain't going to argue with this man about no music, man. I'll say my piece because, you know, he allowed me to do that. But I'm not trying to sit here like I know what I'm talking about when it came to what Prince did with music. That's the fight I would lose handily. So we're not going to, Morris, how many hits you got? Huh? Uh, that's all I'm saying. How many you got? Right. I ain't gonna argue with his brother, man, but it, but I was able to do it, man, and, and we could have an exchange, and uh, he valued my opinion, and I was I was more than delightful to give that to him at times, and I always told the truth about it, but uh, I learned a lot, just put it like that, and I came right. to understand why he did what he did, and I'm glad to see it's out on vinyl, man. It's a, <clears throat> it's a great piece of work, and uh, uh, and like I said, I'm happy to see it out, man. Right. I'm waiting for him to put that. Welcome to America, because that's the record he let me co-produce. Right. And gave me a long bunch of pats on the back for that one. So we'll see what happened with that one when the state decided to release that record. Yeah. <laughs> right. We will definitely be getting into that when we have you on next time in the future times. So hopefully it'll be under not so, you know, tough circumstances. But love to have you back on for more. And definitely discuss Welcome to America Welcome to America, and all that stuff that you were able to do. Absolutely. And let me um, say this real quickly. Yes, real of quickly. course. Take your time. People, that's any, anybody in the sound of my voice, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and surrounding, you know, I, I hear my, my dude say that, you know, protesters are going to Eden Prairie. Please, everybody, understand that when we together, we have a better chance of forging something that's solid that we all can be proud of that we're doing, man. Please let us take care of one another. Please be careful. Please let us not burn down our beautiful city and, and, and destroy our city. Now, they, they've arrested the one cat. 
I know that the, everybody wants to keep the pressure on. I think they realize that the pressure is on. But it's like if we destroy, I think there's something like a hundred and some businesses that are like family-owned businesses that have been destroyed in the neighborhood where, where, where we all live, man, where we used to live. And, and that does not seem to serve you to destroy everything in your own neighborhood, folks, until you don't have anything to shop at. And during COVID, you think a lot of these places are coming back? They're not coming back. Not, not anytime soon. So please, folks, just balance balance please right and be careful out in the streets man and let's let us try to do this as peacefully as we can and but still protesting still raising your voices against these things but let us just consider the destruction and and who that hurts please let us consider that and try to take care of one another if we can all right that's all my thing is man i, I just want you know to, for people to just be able to live and walk away and be able to come away and i understand some things only come through bloodshed and like the change only comes sometimes through that. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm torn, brother, because I want people to be safe on one hand, but I understand that people feel like unless I'm out here burning up things that we won't get the result that we want. I just hope we can find some balance in it. And, and it sucks to feel that way. Yeah. It does, man. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm torn with it. I yeah. have to say. I have to say. Well, I appreciate your time, Morris. I don't want to keep you for too long on this. We could talk about this for hours, but I know it. Um, it just yes, you know, but I really appreciate your time and your energy that you put into this. And I saw like the messages that you were posting, and I wanted to give you a bigger platform for it and bring you on, just because I felt that your voice needed to be heard more so than mine. You know, at this time, of course, I speak in different ways. I think there's a lot of us. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of us that I think need to be heard. You know, there's a lot of people out here that's trying to do some good and trying to do some things and, and get a resolution. Bigger voices than mine and more articulate. But I think all of us have our opinions about what we can do, and I just think we just need to do something. We have to do something. Definitely. I am so with you on that for so many reasons, my friend. All right, Morris, it's good having you on. I hope you stay safe. We'll be checking in with you, and I can't wait to have you on again for other yes, other things. And thank you guys, you. thank you so much for joining us. For whether you were here live or listening to the show later on or seeing it later on, you are very important. Please donate to a good cause. Make sure that your voice is heard, and we're able to make this world a better place and practice real love for one another. All right? Much love, Morris. Keep it funky, you, everyone. Brother. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Till next time. Much love.